Uh, joking about wildfires. Yeah, never, never a good moment. Welcome back to Switchcast. We are live tonight. Thank you for joining us. And uh, here with me tonight is Ethan Huffnagle, my producer, and Tyler Sanders, the, uh, the Ed McMahon over here, helping with the banter and, and uh, answering, well, sorry, asking your questions, filtering things through, and just making things exciting. Anyway, SwitchCast is the podcast where we seek to educate, edify, and entertain you on the drive of your life. I am your host, Doug Tabbitt, owner of Switch Cars, founder, uh, cannonball run person, and uh, just, uh, I, I guess I'm a car guy. F- officially, I'm a car guy per Donald Osborne, head of the Audrain Concours, which uh, I've been asked to judge this year, which before I get too big of a head here, uh, apparently the, the committee that judges judges uh, asked why I was going to be a judge. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, what qualifies him? Which were my, my exact questions. <laughs> is it a Porsche GT3 class? Because if so, I got this. Who but, is this uh, guy? Anyway, <laughs> Donald Osborne said he's a car guy, so he he's qualified, which is what makes me love the Audrain Concours. It is uh, not the uppity, stuck-up, typical, you know, this nut is not factory original. It's... Uh, you know, it's a real car guy thing. Like one of the best things they do is they have that 30 under 30 class, which it has to be, the owner has to be under 30 years old and they have to have paid less than 30 grand for their car. And maybe the car has to be older than 30 years old too, or something like that. I don't know. It's, there was some age thing on it. Right. Cause it was like, there was a couple of 944s and then there was a GTV six and some, right. there was a really cool, it was like stuff. a Radwood class yeah. kind of, but it was all owners under 30 years old with dollars under 30, which I thought was really, really cool because um, one complaint of car people running clubs or shows is that they're losing the next generation. And I'm like, well, yeah, because <laughs> the next generation is a bunch of snowflakes that can't be told that they're not special. And when you tell their car that it's not special, then uh, no, I, I mean, I, I agree. It's, all that stuff is also really expensive now. Like everything that's in all the like big shows is just real expensive. It's yeah. tough for young folk like myself to yeah. to get in. Well, when you like walk around a car, when you have a committee of people looking for things wrong with your car, like that's not enjoying car ownership. I understand that some people love chasing the hundred point Concord car and, and that's fun for them. And I know people and they're car people. I don't fault them for doing it. It's just, it's not my thing. And I think a lot of people in our generation and younger are going, this is crazy. Like let's, let's enjoy cars. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Audrain is more of the subjective judging, you know, what, what car has a good story and you know, what car impacts you. And I, you know, I'm, I'm all about that. So definitely looking forward to Audrain. Uh, I will be hosting, co-hosting a cannonball Q and a panel, um, with Bill Warner, who was the founder of Amelia Island Concord and also ran the, uh, original cannonball run back in 1975. So, he and I will be telling stories and fielding questions. So sign up for that now. It'll probably sell out uh, because I'm a great companion to Bill Warner, who's a great storyteller. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I was psyched to learn that I think either the, the next, um, the next seminar after ours or two after whatever, but same room in the same room as I'll be pre- presenting on the same stage. Uh, the next seminar is Jay Leno and Robert Herchevik, which I'm like, I don't, I don't geek out much for celebrities or whatever. Cause they're just people, but I'm going to geek out a little bit. Yeah. That's cool. So anyway, yeah, I might just stay around late. <laughs> just hang around. Okay, so, well, on topic for tonight, although we love rabbit trails here, those are the most fun, uh, we're talking about uh, common lines, tips, tricks, etc. used in marketing and sales that we can uh, avoid and kind of weed our way through. And this comes on the heels a little bit of an episode we did a few weeks ago of the top 10 questions you need to ask, basically the information you need to know uh, when you're buying a car to you know, evaluate it properly. And so when the car shows up, it is what you expected and you're not running into a nightmare or hidden issues or surprises. Um, So 
But people selling cars, and this is not just car salesmen. In fact, a lot of these lines I'm pulling are used by private sellers day in and day out. And I don't know that they're always trying to hoodwink you or scam you or anything, but it's just you got to cut through the BS. And so we're going to play a little foreign language interpretation here with with ads and and, uh, what people are saying and what it really means and what you need to ask on the heels of that. But before we get to that, I do want to do our kind of weekly market update. Um, You know, we don't uh, live and die by the car market per se, right? If, if, if you are constantly thinking about your car's value and you're watching the market on your car, unless you're looking to buy or sell, you can drive yourself nuts with anxiety, right? It's best to just buy your car and then stop looking at the market and enjoy it, right? Put a piece of tape over your odometer and don't check bring a trailer, right? Just forget about it. And then when you're ready to sell, look at the market. But being in the car business, we're looking at the market day in and day out. Our customers want to know what's going on in the market, whether it's a good time to buy or sell, what the market's doing. And given the extreme run-up and subsequent correction and values over the last couple of years, it seems to be always a relevant topic because the market is not doing normal things. If we were talking about this in 2018, there'd be no point in doing a market update because it's like, okay, well, the market's up 10% for spring. It always is. It's down 10% on convertibles in August. It always is. And the rest of the market's down, you know, five or 10% in October-ish. And that picks back up wholesale market in January, February, March, April. The cheap cheap cars are up big time in March and April because it's tax return season. Then they go down like it's you can predict it. But these last few years have not been predictable. So I like to pull a few data points to help us figure out what the heck's going on. One of them last week, we talked about a 997 GT2 on bring a trailer. And it was a good data point because the exact same car had sold uh, in 2022 for 366,000 with fees. And we were curious what it would do. And it went reserve not bed, reserve not met to 306,000. So the dealer paid 366 and it got bid to 306. That's a 60K loss on paper, but it's not because they didn't sell it. And I want to be careful because I always caution people against using no sales or reserve not met as a data point because it's not a transaction. The dealer determined that it was worth more to them to keep than it was to sell. Um, so we got to be a little bit careful here. However, I still think this is a good and an accurate data point, uh, because the last 2009 on bring a trailer was the same mileage, similar car on, on a cursory look bid to 258. So this one pulled another $45,000, apparently 40 grand can't do math 50. And uh, that's that's a pretty good premium. And and no 2008s even got close to 300K other than a 900-mile white one, which is, you know, a collectible unicorn. So you kind of got – that's outside the box and whisker plot. Uh, so, you know, it did not realize what they wanted. The dealer's going to keep it and try to keep marketing it. But, I, you know, I think that shows that the market's not what it was last year for Porsche GT cars. Switching gears to Audi R8s, I I don't want to be a bring a trailer fanboy here, and we will talk about why they're not the, <laughs> the always the best place to go. But BAT is good because you can uh, see cars that have sold there before, like the exact same car, and that's great for for market comps. So a fifteen thousand mile white. Audi R8 V10 manual coupe, which is considered by a lot of people to be a modern, like blue chip collectible car. You know, oh, you should buy these. They're going up in value. That sold for 139000 today. So 144 with fees. The exact car sold in December of 21 for 177. So basically a 40, somebody took a $40,000 hit from 21 to today. So a year and a half took a $40,000 hit. And that was before the peak too. The peak of this market was like first quarter 22. 
Uh, yeah. So calling all those people who say cars are investments guaranteed to go up in value, calling exotic car hacks who says you can buy with other people's money and not have to worry about depreciation. It's all a bunch of crap. Cars go up in value. Cars go down in value. The guy who bought that Audi R8, maybe he thought cars were investments, but that thought cost him $40,000. And that signals, you know, the market is not what it was. Sellers, everybody who calls me wanting to sell their car, please take note of this. The market is not what it was last year. The market has corrected. We've been talking about this. I said it was coming. The market is softer. It's still good, but it's softer. You're not going to get what you paid for your car. You're not going to get what you owe on your car like the market is what the market is. Now, disclaimer there. This R8 was purchased by a dealer. It was uh, uh, CJ Wilson uh, bidding on it. He won it, so that would be Fresno Porsche. So it'll probably be marked up and sold elsewhere. So, you know, it's kind of a good data point. However, a data point is a data point. It is a public transaction on a retail site. Uh, I think the largest online retail automotive auction in the world, I think. Um, so anybody could have been on it. It's not a dealer only site. There's no arbitrage happening. Um, but uh, it, it's still a data point. And there's another important point, I think, on the heels of this is that bring a trailer is not the be all end all for selling your car. People call me all the time and go, oh, well, I, I saw this one sell on BAT for 150 grand. You can get that. And I'm like, that was one auction on one day. There's 18 others that sold for 120, right? People always pull the high auctions, but there's 100 auctions per day on that site, and they can't all set records. So it's kind of crazy how many there are every single right. day. Like you can't keep up with it unless you you've got uh, like alerts set up for certain types of cars. Like you just can't process that many cars in a day. Right, right. Um, and, and, you know, when, when dealers are sourcing their inventory from that platform, y you know, like, okay, it's, it's become a little bit diluted. Um, yeah. Cause they wouldn't be sourcing inventory if they couldn't sell it for more later. Right. So it's no longer the, or think they can, right. Yeah, well, that didn't yeah, work out true. for that GT2 <laughs> buyer. True. They bought it for 366 and like got their butt handed to them. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, anyway, again, note to sellers you know, when you call us, we love to help you. Sometimes we will choose bring a trailer as a strategy for selling your car, but it's got to be the right car because it has to stand out from the crowd. Um, so anyway, with that, let's go to a commercial. And SwitchCast is brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, and that was to make people a part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy and flexible live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy that we're broadcasting this show with a phone. So head on over to switchcars.com slash BoxCast for your free trial. And it looks like uh, Doug has uh, taken a moment uh, and the Corvette curmudgeon has stepped into the studio. Welcome back. What's this brown? Did somebody drain their oil into my glass? Where's where's my Coors Light? Do you think all oil looks like that? <laughs> oh, that's right. You don't drive your car, right? So when you drain it, it just looks the same as when you put it in. I've never changed my oil. Oh, well, it might not look like that. <laughs> that's bourbon. Well, why would I? I only put 5,000 <laughs> miles on it in 20 years. It's synthetic oil. You change it 10,000 miles. But we maybe on time. Uh, we can talk about that later. Uh, I did want to ask you today, you know, uh, Doug, when he's in here, we're talking about a lot of car sales and, and such uh, advertising cars, what you say. Uh, if you were to sell your Corvette, if you can walk down this this path of thought with me, if that's not going to offend you too much. How would you describe your Corvette in a listing to sell it? What do you mean a listing? Like an ad or the online in the paper, maybe if that's more your speed. Oh, oh, on them, them webs. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd, uh, I, I go down to the cruise in or, you know, if it was a summer, I go to take it to Corvettes at Carlisle. Okay. And, uh, stand outside of it with a for sale sign. I'd, you know, make people, make sure people knew how rare it was. 
and uh, wait for people to ask me about it. And then right. I'd, uh, yeah. I, so, I'd probably tell them they couldn't afford it. So I guess what is the most important quality of your Corvette that you'd really try to sell someone? rare. Okay. Aren't all Corvettes rare? No. Oh. Nope. Just yours. Just mine. Okay. Well, there's some that are that are also rare, but mine is more rare because it's it's the only one in that specification. Yeah, I gotcha, gotcha. Uh, don't you think you'd reach a wider audience if you were to tell the internet how rare it was? Uh, no. I, internet's a bunch of young kids that can't afford nothing. No, I go on there wrong. every now and then. There's a Corvette group I'm on there, and uh, I, you know I, I go on there just to set people straight about the facts. You know, there's a lot of mm. misinformation out there, so I, I check up on them and make sure they know how special and rare Corvettes are, especially mine. So I, I go on there to to correct all that. But you know, my account keeps getting hacked, though. You know, so I'm I'm on my seventh account. These these nice ladies want to be friends with me, and next thing I know, they're friggin' You know, my account's hacked, and I don't know who's government, friggin' Putin or something, you know, Hunter Biden. I, I don't know. They're all hacking my account. So I, I think, stay uh, off that internet other than just to, to tell people they're wrong. I think after the show, we might need to talk about some good internet uh, safety practices. Maybe don't write your passwords on Post-it notes anymore and all that kind of stuff. Well, my password's <laughs> rare Corvette. Well, all right, and all right, thank you very much to the Corvette Garage for coming in today. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week unless your identity gets stolen and you're dealing with that. <laughs> Welcome back, Doug. The Corvette Carmudgeon is, of course, brought to you unwittingly by the Corvette Buy Sell Trade Group on Facebook. It's your source for cranky boomers, overpriced Corvettes, and reinforced stereotypes. Cranky, cranky, cranky <laughs> boomers, cranky boomers, yeah. Ethan, I still need you to do a remake of that song, a parody. <laughs> Yeah, we're working on that. <laughs> no, you're not. Say so that was not a very committed. <laughs> no, we got yeah, we got the studio reserved for the session. What do we I got to do? Hire Steve Jockham to do his own song? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. All right. Uh, <laughs> speaking of for sale ads and uh, uh, boomers that post their their stuff up with with all the wrong information, let's look at what to look out for and uh, how to navigate. Uh, hmm. misinformation, I guess, or just bad information in, in, in uh, sales lines and stuff on online advertisements and how to get through that. So uh, first one comes, uh, uh, well, this is a highly regulated field, right? So the Federal Trade Commission regulates uh, auto dealers, but specifically in the world of financing and advertising very, very heavily. Uh, but uh, one thing you'll see out there is advertised prices and or lease payments. This is a, happens a lot with leases. You know, it's three hundred bucks a month uh, lease with a little little tiny asterisk, and the asterisk is big because more often than than not, they'll pick uh, what they call loss leaders. So it'll be a base spec. It's never the one pictured on the billboard or in the, the ad. Uh, and they're usually like they'll structure the lease as the lowest mileage possible. It'll be like 5,000 miles a year with, you know, $10,000 down, you know, plus sales tax, plus this, that, whatever. So a $300 lease becomes 700 bucks a month by the time you get, you know, the parameters you want, you know, 12,000 miles a year, low money down, you know, your credit sucks, whatever. So, and you want the, the heated seat subscription. So one exception to this was back when I was working at the Land Rover dealer in 2004, the LR3 had just come out and for some crazy reason, they were just giving them away, but they were giving them away in the form of really, really aggressive leases. And the manufacturer essentially subsidized the lease, bought down the money factor, jacked up the residual, and we were writing $400 a month leases on a loaded Land Rover LR3 left and right with like no money down, all the miles, tax in like 400 bucks a month. It was amazing. That's wild. It's wild. I don't believe in leasing cars. For the record, it is the most expensive way to buy a car. But every now and then, like a cheat code lease comes along that kind of makes way more sense than buying. Very, very rare. And again, everybody thinks that the lease they got is the exception. It's that one. And 
it's rarely is. Um, yeah, you, people never leave a car dealer saying they got a terrible deal or got taken advantage of. They all brag oh, yeah. that they got a great deal, but let me be honest, the house always wins. Um, but anyway, so what their goal is to get you in the door. Good salesmen thrive on getting you in the door. Once you're there, they'll close you and you'll walk out wondering what just happened. But uh, so beware of low advertised leases or payments because uh, you, you got to read the fine print. Private sellers, though, man, they they can be almost worse than dealers. And some of these lines, oh, man, it's uh, they're good. Uh, the first one would be fully loaded. This is one I hear a lot. And we're coming at this mostly from a high-end perspective, right? Sports cars, Porsches, whatever. But guys will call me and they'll be like, oh, yeah, my car's fully loaded. I got Porsche 911 Turbo, fully loaded. I'm like, what does that mean? Oh, it's got the full leather and bows and navigation. I'm like, cool. All that stuff was standard on the turbos. <laughs> Well, but it's got a sport chrono. Great. Like 80% of them did. And like, this happens all the time. People just say fully loaded because it has, you know, a backup camera and leather. It means absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And a, a extreme version of that is they'll say, well, I had every available option, like everything. I checked every single box. Now, once in a blue unicorn moon, I see spec sheets and I'm like, oh my goodness, you really did. Like you spec'd the leather surround for the key entry slot and deviated stitching on your key pouch. Like they go crazy. And on Ferraris, you'll see this too. You'll literally see they run out of room on the window sticker and they just say like extra options, $30,000. But when you're dealing in high-end cars, every available option isn't a thing. Porsche, Ferrari, the high-end dealers, McLaren with their MSO division will always find more things to sell you. If you want to spend money, they will create options for you. They will stitch your name on, you know, the inside of the tire, you know, engrave your initials on the valve stem if you want. <laughs> so... Every available option, I, that line is is ridiculous. If you want to know what a car has, ask somebody for the VIN, put it in VIN analytics, whatever, ask them for the spec sheet, because rarely, if ever, have I heard when somebody said it was loaded or had every option, almost always, it was like a base spec car. Almost always. Well, it also just feels like a holdover from a time when there was just way less options on cars. Like, I guess maybe the, the 80s or 90s, like it was so much easier to fully load a car in those times because there was just less things. Is that a correct assumption or am I um, off base? No, I, I disagree. So I think it's a maybe a holdover from, well, I don't know, like the Ford GT. The Ford GT literally had four options. So it's yeah. very easy to say, oh, I got all the options. Okay, cool. You got the Stripe, the Macintosh, the BBS wheels and painted calipers. Um, or like a Toyota Corolla, like they have only so many options you can get, but Porsche is endless. And even in the eighties and nineties, they had the, you know, sa sandwich Sonder sa oh, Sonder. Yeah. Munch. Yeah. Special wishes. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, Sonder, Sonder munch, Sonder munch my sandwich. <laughs> and, uh, it, like you could get whatever I've seen off the chain specification, uh, 930s and stuff from the 80s. Oh, like that one like we saw at Amelia. All colored leather, yeah. everything. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Hammerhead red Slant leather. Nose yeah. is a great example of that. Right? They made a different front end because somebody wanted it. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even legal. <laughs> it, <laughs> that was cool. Uh, yeah, so, it, but it wasn't as ubiquitous then because people. I think maybe I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and shouldn't, but people weren't doing it necessarily for status. Like there wasn't a cars and coffee. It wasn't a thing like paint to sample was something that people legit did because they wanted to match their wife's lipstick. Now it's just like, well, I want paint to sample because everybody's doing it and I want better resale value. So it's, yeah, it, it did happen then, but you're right. It wasn't as common. Here's one. 
New tires. Yeah, new tires. Translation, they were installed last year, and they were the two-year-old closeouts at Tire Rack. (laughs) So they're three years old, even though they were put on last year. And if they're Pirellis, that means they are cracked and dated and time to go. Pirelli's going to sue me for slander, but I, I swear that's been my experience with Pirellis. They do not last. You should uh, never see that on a Corvette listing. <laughs> well, no, they will. Yeah, no, they'll, they'll turn it around. They'll advertise original tires. Original that's tires, thing. factory air. Yes. The whole thing. Original nitrogen in yeah. the tires. Uh, on the heels of that, three-year-old tires. Yep. Have you heard that as a selling point well if i'm talking to people yeah they're like oh the tires are like three years old but what they mean is i forgot when i last installed them and oh shoot it was 10 years ago oh gosh so all that means (laughs) is it was a few years ago i don't remember i'm picking three but it's seven (laughs) oh here's here's a good one i i see this i literally have screenshots on my phone from so many listings and this is project cars, this is kit cars, this is lawn ornaments. It runs, it just needs so there fill is in a the thing. blank. There is a, I, I'm ex- so in like software development, the, the world, I've heard of this joke where somebody will have like a just jar. And every time you say the word just, you got to put like a dollar in it or something because so many people think, oh, wait, you just do this, just do that. And there's so much complication in that one word. And I feel like it's the exact same thing for what you're talking about. Churches oh, you could just- raise a ton of money if they had a just jar yeah. at prayer meetings because <laughs> people are like, oh God, just please just, just, I'm just asking if you would please just make this day better just just yeah. heal this person just just right and so much is in that those four letters that people don't realize <laughs> well, so, it well, just but, needs a tune-up oh gosh <laughs> but then like they'll be specific right i've seen it just needs a fuel pump so many times you see that okay. what does that mean <laughs> okay does that mean the tank rotted out and so the you know crust made its way into the fuel pump yeah. and so it needs the entire fuel system but yes it also has a bad <laughs> fuel pump the, it just needs fresh gas the best one the best one i've seen this on a corvette c4 for that matter which shouldn't be that hard to get running unless there's a crossfire injection it just needs a battery Bro, Those are real easy to get. <laughs> they're like $150, which is a lot of money for a Corvette C4 owner. I realize they're $150. Anybody with like an adjustable wrench or just an 8 mil and 13, I think they mount with, can install it. It's, it's right there. Although, well, I guess on the C4, some of them you do have to take off that side... Uh, little fender panel but again it's it's like a 10 millimeter bolt so yeah if it just needs a battery friggin put one in and sell it if somebody's saying it just needs a battery it just needs a battery and an engine and tires <laughs> and a fuel system and rodents removed from it yeah it just needs an engine yeah. michael uh g cypher on the youtube says every crash i've ever had were dealer installed pirellis <laughs> <laughs> Have you had more than one crash? Or is this like, some how, stories how there. big is this data sample? Yeah. <laughs> I've had zero crashes, but the ones I would have had <laughs> were Pirellis. Oh, man. Uh, one of my favorite ones, this goes over to the Ferrari world. And this is an example of like information disparity of people putting something out there to hide something else and thinking they're being transparent or getting you to think that they're being transparent. And this is a trick you need to watch out for. You need to ask the information that you want. The major service was done a thousand miles ago. Now we're talking Ferrari here. Major service can apply to other cars as well, but in the Ferrari world, major service includes timing belt and tensioners. This is very, very important because 
both of them are known for failing and Ferrari has very strict service recommendations, uh, intervals of replacement for those. And typically it's three years or 30,000 miles, whichever comes first, which let's be honest, 30,000 miles, which never comes first because Ferrari people don't drive their cars. So it's always three years. So people selling their Ferrari, I see this in ads. I ask people about it. They sit, tell, I've got dozens of times I see this. Oh yeah. Major service was just done. It was, it was, it was done a thousand miles ago. Great. How many years? Well, seven. Okay. Well then it needs done. Well, but it's just done a thousand miles ago. No, there's, there's two parameters of when it needs to be done. When you give one, that means you're hiding the other. (laughs) Exactly. So people don't be led astray by these little things here. Ask the questions that you want the answers to and get them in, you know, the language that you want. Uh, yes, switching to race cars. The line I've probably heard more than anything else. Ready to race. <laughs> probably not. Ready to race. Bunch of horse crap. Ready to race means it needs service before it goes around the track. Ready to race means the axles are expired, the engine is due for a rebuild, the tires are aged out, the belts are aged out, the CV joints are leaking, the fluid is dark, and the brake rotors are grooved. Ready to race means that you're going to spend, well, I don't know what kind of race car, but let's say 10% of the value on getting it ready to race. Um, Golly, I've heard this so many times. I mean, we bought... A car, I won't name the shop because it doesn't matter, but it was a 2009-911 that had been built as a race car, like stripped, gutted, uh, caged, engine rebuild, like the whole thing, all new parts. So it's basically a brand new car other than the chassis. And it had like one test hour on it. So if anything ever was ready to race, this was it. It was new. Thankfully, we shipped it. We bought it. We brokered the deal, but we shipped it to our facility just as a matter of logistics. I thought there's no way we need to look this car over. It's a reputable shop. It is quote unquote ready to race. We got it in. It barely made it in our shop because it wouldn't even track straight. The header bolts were finger tight. Like, I can't remember oh, no. why it didn't track straight, but it was unsafe to drive. Like you would not have been able to complete a lap around a track. Huh. And most of it was fairly minor stuff. Like, okay, we probably spent a thousand dollars getting it actually there, but I'm like, this is a brand new car from a reputable shop. If that isn't brand new and ready to race, I don't know what is. None of them are. They just, they just aren't. When you buy a used race car, or track car for that matter, it's a used track car and you will need to do everything you want to do to it to make sure it's safe, to make sure it's mechanically sound, to make sure it's ready for you to go pound the snot out of it. Yes. So let's uh, let's go to a commercial and then we'll come back to some more uh, lines that you need to watch out for. And SwitchCast is brought to you by Celebrity Machines. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they've appeared in movies and TV shows, such as Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save 25.39% at checkout. Awesome. So before we get back to questions or not, well, yes, also questions, but uh, common lines that you need to avoid, we're going to do the wall of shame. Now, the wall of shame is usually reserved for reviewing customers who just suck at life. However, this week we are going to read some reviews of a dealer because this one just could not go without a pass. This dealer is the spirit airlines of the used car world. They are an example in how not to do business. (laughs) They're so bad, they're out of business. Although that also might be because they're we're on a prime piece of real estate and the owner sold out for for big money to a, a chain store. However, 
Let me give you the background on this. So this is Gulf Shores Motors down in Gulf Shores, Alabama. And with all respect to people that live down there, I feel like the Gulf Shores kind of over to Jacksonville, including Atlanta, is like the Bermuda Triangle of used cars right? Like I will almost never buy a car from down there because it's just, it's like where half decent cars go to rot in the sun and salt air. And they're just almost all terrible. So be wary of buying cars from that region. I don't know why it is other than the sun and the salt air, but it's just, it's weird. So this dealer fits in perfectly down there. So anyway, we're down there with a bunch of cannonballers for a secret reunion. We get done racing go-karts and wrecking the entire field because it was raining. Great fun. Anyway, there's this place called Gulf Shores Motors and a couple of the locals were like, this place is crazy. Like they sell the type of place that has Elvis mannequins and sells them. And like, it's kind of super creepy, um, you know, like trying to be like a fifties diner type thing, but also a car dealership. But the one thing they said was, you'll never ever test drive a car like they don't test drive it's all consignment the salesmen are not friendly there's no way you can ever test drive it and i'm like well this sounds like a challenge because <laughs> me and ed bolian are both shrewd negotiators so we kind of had a, a gentleman's bet that one of us would be able to talk ourselves into driving a car when we're there and everyone's like nope it's not going to happen we were all there yesterday no chance so like 20 of us show up at this dealer and it is bad i mean there's like there's bondo everywhere there's spray paint there's convertibles that have had their top open for three years there's literally i think standing water in one of them in the back it was it was sketch but they had some interesting cars and i made friends with one of the salesmen there and talked my way into the keys of a Jaguar XK8. So I actually test drove a car. I won the bet. I did actually make an offer on it. They were way out of bounds on price, so I didn't buy a car from this shade ball dealer. But anyway, I have to read some reviews from this place because, man, it is it is fantastic. Mostly junk and prices are high. Prices are too high to use these as project cars. Yep. Uh, stole my money and lied to me. However, uh, I initially thought they were good people. However, the owner will lie and be untruthful. Terrible. The owner will rip you out of your money and lie to you. The cars have salvage tiles and the miles are rolled back. Contact me if you plan on going there. I must tell you in person. Now, if you go there and lose out because you didn't heed to warning, your fault. They should name that car Lot Sprite. Because it has none but lemons. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. Uh, let's see. Daughter bought a Jeep Liberty. Wipers did not work. Taillights did not work. That's a problem. AC did not work. Speedometer did not work, which probably means the Odo didn't work. Radio didn't work. Front end severely out of alignment. Whole front end is bad. Steers horrible. Promised her they would take care of her, and they did nothing but run her around. Uh Interesting choice of phrasing there. Uh, let's see. Oh, gosh. Mm, this is really good. Well, look up Gulf Shores Motors because there's great ones. You Purchased a 54 Chevy 3100. When it arrived, the condition was far from what was pictured and described. Had to spend over $1,000 just to get the truck to run. Thank goodness I read all the reviews before going down there. Glad people share their honest opinions. I was ready to pay cash for a car there today. Oh, we've got one good review. Neat inventory. Love the camper boat. <laughs> They've got like some <laughs> custom boat for sale. That might be the camper the boat. <laughs> it's weird. Listen, and you can buy an airplane for, or you could. They had an airplane at some point. Oh man, heavy construction equipment. What's the place called? Gulf Shores Auto? Gulf Shores Motors. Gulf Shores this is Motors. the best one. Arrogant sales rep for one thing. I was looking at a 64 Chevy and asked about cranking it. He never got he never even got out of his lawn chair and said, "We don't crank them. You buy it then crank it." <laughs> That's great. Oh man. 
somebody else said something to effect of like the dog was more interested in helping me than any of the salespeople. <laughs> Man, we don't crank them. You buy it, then crank it. That is, that is, uh, that's great. I've got such it's, a bizarre selection of vehicles on here. It's really too bad that they're not around anymore because it would be worth your while if you lived within six hours of there to go down there just for your entertainment. It is so funny. Uh, so uh, back to lines that people use and shouldn't and that you should be aware of. Uh, we were talking about race cars. A common line is ready to race. And along the vein of, of race cars, I, one I have heard before, never raced or wrecked. It was a practice slash backup car. Tyler, do you want to take your hand at interpreting that statement? It means it was never finished, like being put together. <laughs> uh, my interpretation is means it was wrecked once practicing, then never used again after <laughs> it was repaired. So it's never wrecked in its current state. Right, right. No, I literally inquired about a race car, and they said it was a backup car, it was a practice car, low hours, never raced, never overrived, whatever. Turns out it had been completely like pinged to the moon, like 11, 12,000 RPM on the first lap or whatever. It was wrecked on like the third lap. Yes, it was a practice car, and yes, it had low hours, but never raced, wrecked, or overrived literally meant it had been raced wrecked and over revved i'm like what the heck people especially Golly. like you can you obviously could find that out like if you do a shred of diligence it's tough with race cars though that's, that's the true. thing and people trust these shops because the same people selling them because dealers hate dealing with race cars for good reason the same people selling them are the race shops that maintain them so it's like well if they're the ones being dishonest how are you going to find out that's true. It's a total conflict of interest. And, you know, everybody trusts these race shops because they've got great reputations. And most of them do. And I'm not here to disparage any specific reputations. But most race shops that have great reputations aren't that great. It's just their customers don't know any better. They're acting off of information disparity. The customers believe what they tell them. Well, your car needs a $40,000 engine rebuild every 10 hours. Okay. No, it doesn't. But, yeah. Oh, so this car needs nothing. It's going to need so many things. <laughs> do, do you do you want to know the, this is very scientific, the average amount we've spent on servicing a car that quote unquote needs nothing? Uh, it's got to be a few thousand, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. not that bad. It's not about $1,500. Okay. But that's definitely more than nothing. And that's not even when we got done with it. It wasn't a needs nothing car. It was just like, OK, everything is reasonably up to date and everything works. It doesn't have any glaring, obvious needs. But yeah, needs nothing. No, that's crock of crap. Going to need something. My favorite line and least favorite line. Guaranteed investment. Duh. <laughs> Blech. This car will only go up in value. Uh, sorry. Well, then why are you selling it? Yeah. <laughs> why are you selling it? And what did we just learn on the market update? They don't only go up in value. Sometimes they go down. I just, I, I'm like, sell the car. Sell the car. D don't. <sighs> we have a customer that is consigning half a dozen cars with us right now. And he bought them all from a well-known dealer. And the salesman told him on all of them that these were great investments and they go up in value. And he's all ticked off because guess what? They haven't. Yeah, they've corrected. <laughs> or they're like reasonably the same or whatever because he bought them a couple years ago. So his timing was good. But I'm just like, that's crap salesmanship, right? If you're a salesman, sell the car. Don't sell investments and don't lie about them. You don't know what they're going to do, but it's like sell the car on its own merits because if the customer, if the car is that good and the customer believes in that and you can sell that many people on how great the car is, then guess what? Your prophecy will come true. It will go up in value because that's when cars go up in value is typically when a bunch of people realize, oh, this car is way more awesome than everyone thinks it was and the market hasn't realized it yet, and then the market realizes it. And it goes up in value naturally because it's a great car. 
like my Aston Martin DB9 stick coupe, of which there are only 135, and it's fantastic to drive. And the stick shift is actually faster, and the car is lighter than the Touchtronic the, the automatic. Flatties. Yes. So those are going to go up in value because everyone else is finally going to realize how sweet they are. But anyway. I feel like a lot of people are selling a story or an investment or something rather than just the car. Because something that's been in my head as we're talking about this is the folks that, like, they start their ad. You see this a lot with Porsches. With, like, regaling you of the history of the model and when it came out in Porsche's history (laughs) and why it's super rare and special. You see this with 968s a bunch. Because they're like, oh, it came to the wire to bright. It's all well, of this Well, because crap. 968s need all of that because they're not that good. And it's so you uh, have to build them up with. But I see it like you see it everywhere. License. But uh, I, but I've noticed that they're like selling the, the rarity or the history of like just the brand or the model, not the specific car. Right. Yeah. And some of that's good. Some of that is, you know, buyers need education about what they're buying. But uh, this this is actually, this is good. This leads right into the shrewd negotiator. <laughs> I got to learn how to pronounce that. Um, this is brought to you unofficially by VinWiki. But this particular one is uh, submitted by Jason Robinson. And we want to give a shout out to his podcast. He is the host of Smallest Box Possible, which is a show. It's a podcast for those thinking of starting a small business or those already in the thick of it. And it's an honest, unfiltered view of what it's like to run a business from experienced entrepreneurs that are in the thick of it. So check it out on Spotify, the smallest box possible. And the link is also in our episode notes. So you can uh, click off uh, once we're done here, of course, don't leave us, but uh, you can go check out their show. Um, so yeah, th- this ad, uh, somebody shrewdly negotiating, this is how they want to sell their Porsche 911. Description, got to clear out some room in the garage. My loss is your game because this car amazing. It makes you reevaluate the road. Things like, can I get up to speed to merge? Yes, easily. Can I pass that person? OMG, yes. Can I carve out a turn so tight and perfectly that it makes me giggle uncontrollably like a 12-year-old? Daily. Trust me when I say that a 911 is worth selling a kidney for, maybe two. And this one is more special than most. Here it comes. The custom fab speed exhaust with carbon fiber tips growls in the most perfect way. The bespoke deck wing is one of a kind. The electronics have been upgraded to include wireless CarPlay, Android Auto. You need this car. You just don't know it yet. I like it. <laughs> Ethan, no. I like it. Well, Ethan, you're Ethan, not why allowed do you to like buy it? a Z3 nope. before. Why do you like it? No, 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 I don't. You don't? No. You, well, you need it. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> yes. No. I, the, the verbiage is just, it's great. It's so great. <laughs> this, uh, I, so, okay. As much as I want to hate on it, I, I have to... Look at both sides of this, right? This is either the best or the worst description ever, (laughs) depending on the buyer. Because like you said, there's some people that feel the need to educate you on all of the Porsche history, et cetera, et cetera. The proper enthusiast in us already knows all the performance numbers, all the history, everything about it. So we don't need that education, right? So he skipped that fluff. And the child in us only cares about the performance numbers and the things he said, like, can I pass that person? Can I take a turn? Does it make a growly noise? Will Am I, I going to laugh? giggle and wiggle my toes when I get right. home or whatever? <laughs> right? And, and really, the best car guys are the ones that have maintained that childlike sense. They don't buy a car because it's rare. They buy it because they love it. They don't buy it because somebody else will like it or because of resale value. They buy it because they love it. So the stats that he might list are really irrelevant to somebody that only cares about how can I enjoy life better and more? And he nailed it. But, you know, the adult in us does need to know whether or not it's been wrapped around a tree or ever had an oil change or, you know, just important small details like that. (laughs) But that's one way of negotiating. You need this car. You just don't know it yet. With the custom fab speed exhaust that was ordered with, along with a bunch of other ones. Right. I, I, I just, the bespoke deck wing thing. I didn't even look at that. I, 
Is there, gotta, is there a photo of it somewhere? I don't know. I got to go back to the listing and check it out. There's I, n- I can't imagine. It's, you know, it's like a M.A. Shaw, you know, like fiberglass eBay. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be great. <laughs> is, it was a 997, right? Or it was one of a kind because he like, you know, he, he backed into a super rare Corvette. <laughs> oh, so it's yeah. the only deck wing that's been damaged in that way by a one of one Corvette. So it's, it's going to be by that uh, snakeskin painted Corvette that you missed out on. <laughs> no, it's going to have stop. some of that pearly paint on it. Stop, <laughs> stop, stop, stop. Oh, my goodness. All right. Let's uh, let's go to the appraiser brought to you by Nuts for Sticks, and then we'll lead in from there to some uh, some listener questions. So if you got those, if you're uh, watching, joining us live, feel free to throw those into the comment flow and uh, Tyler or Ethan will relay them to us. Thank you. Those of you on YouTube and TikTok and even Facebook uh, for joining us again. If you got questions, comments, throw those in there and we'll get to as many as we can. Those that we can't will hit up on the after hours, what we call. Uh, tip tip talk tip talk with tiktok so if you want to leave us a tip send us stars whatever we'll have a bonus round for the live viewers only and we'll get to some of your questions if uh they're great and or you leave us a tip that's why we call it tip talk uh tip talk with the tiktoks all right the appraiser which is brought to you by Nuts for Sticks, which is a brand celebrating the manual transmission in all of its forms. Forget the flappy paddles because we like shifting ourselves. So check out our fun and funny stick-themed shirts at nutsforsticks.com and save 10% on your order using the discount code SWITCHCAST. That is nutsforsticks.com and code SWITCHCAST. All right, the appraiser. Now, I stole this one from Facebook. I had to. Guy posted, and he wanted a value on his car in a Porsche group. This is always a great place to start because everybody on the internet knows everything. 1974 Porsche 911 Carrera, 68,000 miles, one owner, all original, trying to get some idea of value. Reasonable question. I got to respect it. But a few people chimed in. They're like, hey, um, you know, we need more information or you should hire an appraiser or whatever. This isn't a car you just get an internet opinion on. And I, of course, chimed in. I was like, hey, um, so is it a Euro Carrera or a US? And like, you know, is this original? Is that original? He's like, oh, what's what's the difference? So the guy's asking for value on a Facebook group doesn't even know the difference between a Euro Carrera or a US, which is important because... A 74 US car is worth like 50K and a Euro Carrera is worth like 250K. So there's a big difference. And I also threw in there, by the way, I do Porsche appraisal. So you should ask a professional. And, uh, but anyway, for those of you that don't know, I'll give you the, the free version that I would charge him $200 an hour for. But uh, the Euro Carrera is highly sought after. So it's a the 2.7 MFI engine that was used in the 2.7 Carrera RS in 1973. So it essentially is a 73 Carrera RS just with the updated body and interior. So it has the accordion front and rear bumpers. They call it the impact bumper body style. Um, and... They are very highly sought after, again, for good reason. But the uh, the U.S. car was the 2.7 S, S standing for smog or really suck, because it was the garbage smog choked engine, which made like no horsepower. Uh, the Euro Carrera, uh, it, it, sorry, the U.S. car had the 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 continuous injection system, which was about as fun and reliable as like the crossfire injection on, on the Corvettes, uh, in 84. So mechanics don't love it and it doesn't make good power. But anyway, the Euro Carrera made 210 horsepower. Uh, the U S versions with the K tronic CIS made 175 so a 35 horsepower drop, Ouch. which, you know, in the world of like Shelby GT500s isn't that much. But when you're talking 210 minus 35, that's big. That's a 16% difference. For reference, that is the same percentage horsepower loss that you get converting a 1920s gasoline engine to hydrogen via the gasogen system. Sorry, was that like a way too deep reference? (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm going to need a minute to compute that. Please carry on. <laughs> Regardless, big horsepower difference, major difference between the performance of the Euro Carreras, the US cars, and why there's such a value difference. Now, it was fairly obvious from photos that his car wasn't a Euro Carrera. I was just trying to like mess with them a little bit. And it was also fairly obvious that it wasn't all original because the Carrera script that he had put on the side was like three inches too high and crooked. And the Carrera script on the deck lid was way off, which meant it had been replaced, which may or may not mean that the deck lid had been painted. That's not necessarily a thing, but I'm just like, you've got these things shouting out at me that are like, this car doesn't look original. So, you know, hire a freaking professional. <laughs> did you, uh, did you get eyes on the nine eleven at, one of the Amelia shows that had a Porsche stripe on the side that had a copyright symbol after the Porsche. I did not. That <laughs> made me funny. very sad to see. I was like, Oh, somebody got to be, had to be so happy about that, but they just like printed it from like a image. They That's scraped really off the funny. internet. Ironically violating copyright <laughs> yeah, in like... doing it. <laughs> All right. We got time for just, we'll do one question and then we got to go to the props and flops and then we're going to take the questions over to tip talk and pick a good one. All right. Uh, so Michael G cipher from the YouTubes, uh, has a question that I think, uh, can go pretty well with what we've talked about tonight. What is your best line to convince a general dealer to let you take the car you're looking to purchase for a PPI? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if they're not willing to, it's usually just, I'm going to walk. You know, a smaller dealer might have the ability to have you bring a mechanic there. And we do that. Like, we'll allow that. We're happy to have mechanics here because it's less we have to do. Um, We'll let people go to PPIs. We just have, you know, a process in place. We have policies to protect ourselves and the buyer in the transaction. Um, I think as the buyer, you want to let them know. This is a this is an Ed Bolian line. You want to let them know that you are the best buyer, even if you're not, you know, um, and that you're going to make this simple, that you're going to move quickly. Uh, the problem a lot of times when dealers face a contingency buyer is like, well, how long is this going to get dragged out? They want to get up or down on a deal quickly. Right. So if it's financing, they want to know if you're approved immediately. If it's a PPI, they don't want you pouring over the results for two weeks. You know, some guys get the results and then they post them on the forums and they're like, hey, what do you think of these results? I've, I've literally seen that. If you're that buyer, I don't even want you to get a PPI. Right. So lay out the terms for them and say, listen, I will give you a deposit. You can keep it if I suck at being a buyer but you have to give it back if the PPI re, you know, reveals major things. Lay out your terms specifically, just like a real estate transaction, right? In a real estate ta- transaction, an inspection comes with specific clauses. So it's like, okay, we will negotiate up to X amount of repairs, right? If it's more than 10 grand of repairs, we walk. If it's less, we'll pay for it or whatever. So you lay out those clauses in advance so the dealer knows, hey, within 24 hours of this PPI being done, we're either going to have a deal or not have a deal. And we know exactly what we're walking into. So then the dealer can agree to those terms and, you know, make it as easy as possible for them. Uh, that's my advice, um, especially in a world, even though it's transitioning to a buyer's market, it's been a seller's market for so long and dealers don't have to hold cars. You know, they didn't even have to sell them. Buyers would just line up. So, you know, make yourself a good buyer. Don't make yourself seem like a pain in the rear just because you have reasonable contingencies and, you know, let the dealer know that they're reasonable and, and unless they're not, I mean, maybe you are a pain in the rear and in that case, I can't help you. <laughs> I don't even want you. Uh, yeah. All right, cool. Well, please join us. Stick around live viewers for tip talk. Afterwards, we'll get to the best questions and or the highest paying questions. We love it. Uh, We stay late for you, but it does come at a cost. So props and flops brought to you by switch cars. 
And Switch Cars is the enthusiast dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. Check out our handpicked inventory at switchcars.com. And our pick of the week from Switch Cars inventory is... 2006 Porsche Cayman S. Guards red, rare color, rare. with sport seats, rare option, <laughs> and it's black interior, not gray. Woo! Oh, now hold on a second. <laughs> factory sport shifter, sport design wheels, factory chrome exhaust tips. Would you say it's fully loaded? I would not. <laughs> I would say it's well Sufficiently optioned, loaded? <laughs> well optioned, because it is. It's a very nice specification. Anyway... You rarely see these come along in not silver, black, whatever. It's a six-speed manual, of course. Low miles, 31,000 miles. Original window sticker. Fresh two-year service. And I say fresh, I mean like it was done three days ago. So it is ready to party. Not ready to race because you shouldn't street race. That's illegal and dangerous. The flop of the week. Oh, yes. It's $43,000. It is on our website. Mention SwitchCast for a $1,000 discount. Flop of the week. Michigan Township got sued last year for flying a drone over a car collector's backyard because his neighbors had complained. Uh, he had reached some sort of an agreement like, well, OK, I won't buy any more cars. And, you know, he was restoring them as a hobby, whatnot. But, you know, they said he was doing it as a business and that violating zoning rules, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, a lower court sided with the township. Uh, now, this was covered on Jalopnik, on uh, Yahoo. I also got some of my information from uh, the YouTube, highly informative YouTube show, Lato's Law. So thank you, uh, Steve Lato, for, for some of this legalese stuff. But um, yes, the lower court sided with the township, saying that the Fourth Amendment only applied to criminal cases, not to civil cases. Right. So it like, well, it would apply to police doing unreasonable searches, but not the township because it's not a criminal matter. Dangerous, dangerous ground there. That does me a discomfort. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in their decision, they also said that township officials shouldn't be held to the Fourth Amendment because they can't be expected to understand or know the law. That's right. Elected government officials can't be expected to know the Bill of Rights. I have a problem or two with that, but continue, I guess. <laughs> <sighs> I could go all night. <laughs> uh, yeah. My question was... Uh, if a drone is trespassing on my property, can I, sh can I say the word S H O O T or will we get demonetized? <laughs> uh, save it for tip talk. You got to treat it like a kid who doesn't know uh, how to spell. Can I, <laughs> yeah. uh, neutralize the threat of a unmanned trespasser there you go. on my property <laughs> at what height? Like where does... Oh, like, where's the, is it it's your like property super has a troopers, dome. like who owns the beach? Who owns the water, man? God owns the water. <laughs> you should <laughs> ask God to just my... smite that drone out of the sky. I mean, if you. I own like a 50 foot tree and it falls on somebody, like it falls on my neighbor's property, right? That is my problem. So do I own 50 feet up in the air? Like does well, my 50 property up line in the, air is the highest tree eh. line? I, anyway, this is this is messed up on so many levels. Like if 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 that is true that the Fourth Amendment doesn't apply or only applies in criminal cases and doesn't apply to government officials, we have lost our constitutional rights. Period. Like that is dangerous legal precedent. However, thankfully, the Michigan Supreme Court, the 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 the, the owner of the car collection appealed the case and the Michigan Supreme Court has agreed to hear it. So hopefully, regardless of political party, people will look at this. The, the justices will look at this and go, this is nuts. Like the Fourth Amendment is the Fourth Amendment. There's no stipulations put in the Fourth Amendment. It is people have a right to be secure in their person's property, etc. Um, yeah, scary stuff. 
Uh, prop of the week. Michael Dunlop has set the fastest lap ever around the Isle of Man TT course at an average speed of 135.531 MPH. For those of you paying attention, that is a palindrome. Taco Cat spelled backwards is Taco Cat. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's a 37-mile course. That is freaking hauling uh if any of you don't know what the isle of man is you've been living under a motorsports rock and i shouldn't have to explain it to you uh so i won't just go look it up but anyway dunlop has been uh, via motorsport.com dunlop has been rewriting the record books in 2023 having moved into second spot on the all-time winners list on tuesday with a victory in the super twin class so he was victorious in the first super sport race posted the first ever 130 mile an hour lap for the class and Dunlop is just one win away from matching the all-time record tally of 26 wins set by his legendary late uncle Joey Dunlop. I wonder, do you think they use Michelin tires? No, I probably don't. I, mean, <laughs> I was about to ask you if this is the tire guy, but I don't think there's any other Dunlop. Tire guy! Uh, but it, what's more impressive about this, right? This isn't just like a flying lap on a racetrack. The Isle of Man is, it's not named this because of this, but you have to be a manly man in order to even go around it, uh, let alone at race speeds. Like, I think somebody dies every year. And that's not to be celebrated. That just illustrates how intense this race is. And in looking up information before the podcast, sure enough, the first result was today. Uh, Spanish racer Raul Torres Martinez died after an accident in the opening super twin race on the Isle of Man TT. So at any point, any of these guys' lives are up for grabs on this race. They are, I mean, it's like old school racing. You get in the car and you're not sure if you're going to get out. Uh, I feel like a lot of folks kind of forget that racing used to be that way. I was watching some Porsche document, like Le Mans documentary, and it was nuts how they're guys from the 70s talking about getting in the 917s and are like, well, you got to be going 230 miles an hour, and then you got to load up the brakes a little bit with your left foot to make sure there's enough heat in them to stop the car at the end of the, like, Mulsanne, and then you got to get on the gas to, like, twitch the car. I'm like, what? You're going over 200 miles an hour. At any moment, something could go wrong and you're dead. Right. And you see, like, the bodies off of those race cars, too. Like, your feet are in front of the front axle. Yeah. And the cage starts behind your feet. Like, it's... it's and you're surrounded no... by gas tanks. <laughs> like... Yeah, that, too. That, too. Oh, man. Well... Uh, as you know, given that it's the props and the flops, that will wrap up this uh, uh, segment of the show. Again, live viewers, stick around for Tip Talk. We enjoy that very much. Uh, the rest of you, thank you for tuning in, listening, downloading, wherever you do on your drive or uh, you know on your date night, whatever. Uh, thank you to my co-host and producer, uh, Tyler Sanders and Ethan Huffnagel. Thank you to our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, Parallel Printworks, and Stephen Holm Woodworking. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available next Monday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. To download it, you can visit switchcast.live for easy access to our podcast in your favorite platform, on your favorite platform. Thank you for listening and watching, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. as we look forward to edifying, educating, and entertaining you on the drive of your life. <laughs>